Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Joe from Greenville, South Carolina. I've got a question for you about stock splits and charting. Let's say you have a stock that is $500 a share and it does a 10 for one split and goes down to 50 a share. Would you see that reflected on the chart as a big drop or does the chart adjust? And provides unbiased answers. When you see a big jump in a chart, that is likely some sort of distribution, some sort of dividend. So any stock split, your charting software should adjust. InvestStock, over 32 million downloads and counting. Hi, Stephen Justin, long-time listener, and my question is in regard to the difference, if any, between mutual funds and ETFs. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast good afternoon fellow investors and welcome to invest talk this is our july 1st 2021 edition of invest talk yep it is july crazy right we are now through the first half of the year and it's been a fruitful year in the markets and the bigger question for you is not what has happened. It's about what is going to happen in the back half of the year and into 2022. A lot of factors to consider with uh, what's going on with the pandemic, uh, end of pandemic, however you want to describe it, uh, fiscal policy, monetary policy, all of this is important to understand in context to, to help you make better money decisions. And that's why we are here. We are here to help you understand how to make better decisions with your money. And every time you tune into the show, our goal is to give you some tools, give you some data, give you some perspective that can help you make your decision making process easier, more accurate and more effective. Now today's program and podcast as always, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And this is my assurance to you that whether I'm talking about a market report, a stock, a strategy, a um, educational segment, whatever it is, I'm here to present it all without bias. I'm giving you the facts as I see them in front of me, as well as the perspective that comes with over 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show and you can interact with us right now by giving us a call during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, you can obviously leave a message on our Invest Talk voice bank. And that number never changes either way. It's 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Alan from Hayward, California. Absolutely love the show. A caller last week asked Justin about a company called Cresco Labs, which I was also interested in. Justin said it was one of the better cannabis companies based on what he was seeing. The majority of customer and employee reviews are overwhelmingly negative. 
My question is, should this scare me out of investing in not just Cresco, but any company? Employees on Glassdoor stated they aren't treated with dignity and customers consistently said the staff was rude. Can an investment still work out great regardless of how their employees treat customers and their employees? Thank you. Bye. Well, this is a great, a great question. I love this question because it certainly is true that uh, the companies that have the best customer and employee satisfaction, they generally are, are, are the best performers over the long term uh, because they, uh, they have happy employees that execute on their strategy and their mission on a day-to-day -day basis, and they have loyal customers that come back, uh, and that allows them to uh, have strong margins and cash flows, and it's just strong. It's just it's a good practice to be have happy customers and employees. Now, in the cannabis, the, the first first off, what I'll say is, anything you see online, you know, usually it's always color, colored negatively, especially if you're going off of you know the Yelps of the world and the Googles of the world. There are a lot of negative reviews. When you have positive reviews, it's it, you have to kind of push people to give positive reviews. If you have a bad experience, that that in itself can push people to uh, give negative reviews. So you got to understand where you're looking at. Are you really getting a full picture of what's happening uh, with the company uh, and Remember, this is the cannabis space as well, where there's uh, it's it's the wild, wild west in a lot of ways, and it's still evolving. Uh, practices from uh, management and dealing with regulation, and and clearly, it's a it's a substance that is uh, contentious. Uh, there are a lot of employees that uh, maybe see it as a, a way to get rich, and maybe it's not quite as as uh, lucrative as they expected, etc. So. I wouldn't use that as the only data point you use to make a decision. Uh, and so, but I like that you're looking at it. And that is a good data point to start or to, to, to utilize, to bring into your decision-making process. But it's not the end-all be-all, but great question. And that is something you should think about, but know how to source that feedback uh, most effectively is also very important. Now, my focus point today concerns the tax benefits of an HSA, a health savings account. Now, an HSA allows you to contribute pre-tax income, and then you can spend it on your health care, and we'll talk about how what qualifies uh, tax-free as well. So it's a great tax vehicle or tax uh, avoidance vehicle that if you do have the ability to contribute, is a great tool. And if you don't, maybe you should talk to your employer about adding it. I think that's uh, something every employee should uh, want to have exposure to as well. So we're going to discuss the ins and outs of that. Also, we're going to touch on the first half of the year and the back half of the year. What does that entail? What uh, let's look backwards and forward, and how does that how does that perspective? maybe color your decision-making process for the back half of the year. And then Bitcoin, how does that fit in a portfolio? I talk about having a small percentage is not the end of the, you know, it's not a bad uh, way to go. It's come down in price. Maybe this is a buying opportunity this summer to add it to your portfolio. But what does that mean? How much and what impact will it have on your overall asset portfolio? So we're going to touch on both of those things as well. So a lot to unpack today, but let's touch on the market. 
Let's uh, see the first day of the year, first day of the third quarter, excuse me. We had a modest update, up 85 points on the NYSE, about half a percent. You had the S&P, that was up 22 points, also up about a half a percent. The NASDAQ, COMPQ, that was up 18 points, very, very modest day. You had value certainly outperforming the growth side of the market after a pretty decent rally in growth stocks uh, on the back of lower interest rates. You had oil, that was up today on uh, the OPEC meeting, where it looked like they're, they're not going to reverse any cuts anytime soon. And that was bullish for the overall oil market. And that's what you saw today. You saw industrials having a solid day. You, said you had a lot of the market on the value side that was, was fairly solid. It's consumer staples were down, however, with higher interest rates. Um, utilities had a good, good, good day, which is, was interesting. I'm starting to see that perk up and some opportunities in that space. So that's where we are today to start the quarter. Solid Solid uh, day, but I also think this quarter is probably going to bring the most volatility of the entire year. Now, does that come in the month of July or August or September? I'm not sure yet, but we do have the Jackson Hole meeting in the back half of August, and that's going to be vital to where monetary policy goes for the balance of the year and into 2022, and that can move markets as well. So that's where we are in the first day of Q3. Now, we're just three days away from the 4th of July holiday. The market will be closed on Monday, FYI the 5th. In prep and in preparation for that, we have a best of and best talk caller question show. So a reminder that uh, that will be out. And we're heading into a break. And the invest talk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. If you enjoy listening to Invest Talk. You can help support our programming by giving us your vote of confidence, a five-star rating. When you review and rate InvestTalk with five stars, you raise our profile and help others discover the free InvestTalk podcasts. And we thank you by moving your questions to the top of the list queue. So download, review, rate, and don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Yeah, this is Chris from Northern Arizona. I was just calling about to see what you guys thought about the CCIB or Churchill Capital. I know that they're talking about merging with Lucid Motors and with the EV market looking pretty good. Wanted to know your opinion. Thanks again. All right, this is Churchill Capital. This is a SPAC that uh, is looking to purchase Lucid Motors, like uh, the caller said. And I'll say this time and time again. A lot of people look at the green energy trends and they look at uh, the brand names and the companies that are selling uh, more and more electric cars and they buy into the, the hype and the story. Uh, and and I'll, I'll be consistent in what I say is the car industry is extremely competitive and historically as a very, very low return on assets, return on invested capital. It's just a low margin business, just like any highly competitive market, okay? And that's because it's difficult. There are a lot of, a lot of parts that go into a car, a lot that go into managing a workforce and a plant and multiple plants throughout the world and marketing. It's just 
highly capital intensive and very, very low margin. For example, GM, over the last decade, its net margins has hovered around 4% on average, very low. And whether it's an internal combustion engine car that's driving the powertrain or it's an electric motor, the rest of the car is, is the same, and the process to build that car is largely the same. Yeah, there's a lot of electronic components that go into an electric car versus a, uh, a typical uh, internal combustion engine car, but definitely a lot less of a difference than it was uh, a few decades ago when there were few chips in a car. Now there's a lot of chips, no matter what. Uh, and so the manufacturing expertise is important. Uh, and that's why I like the bigger players, and, and Volkswagen's an example that's pushing into that space, and they have very strong history of uh, quality manufacturing and quality margins, but still, their margins remain relatively low as well. So I like to rather own, I rather own companies that supply the parts or the raw materials, the commodities that go in to these cars, okay? Now let's squeeze in one more caller question here from 88899 chart. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Joe from Greenville, South Carolina. I've got a question for you about stock splits and charting. Let's say you have a stock that is $500 a share and it does a 10 for one split and goes down to 50 a share. Would you see that reflected on the chart as a big drop or does the chart adjust because really the value of the company hasn't changed. If you could give me some tips and answers about that, I'll be listening for the answer on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Your charting software should adjust that and all the prices going back. So you shouldn't see a big adjustment there. Now for us and our charts, we use eSignal and we can actually put in the denotion, allow it to denote when there was a stock split. So I have Tesla, for example, last August, late August, there was a five for one stock split. And so, but that doesn't change the, the chart overall. When you see a big jump in a chart, that is likely some sort of distribution, some sort of dividend that came out uh, of the, the, the stock of the company. So you'll see that from time to time, but that's typically not a stock split, that's a distribution. So any stock split, your charting software should adjust. If it's not, you probably need to be looking at new charting software because overall, once again, stock splits don't change the overall valuation of the company. And that's kind of what you're looking at when you're looking at the, the stock price is that day-to-day -day movement in the company valuation. Yeah, there's some differences uh, to consider when it comes to shares outstanding, but uh, overall, that's what you're, you're probably looking at. So make sure if there is a big jump that you change charting softwares ASAP. Now we're heading into a break, and on the other side, we will tackle today's focus point. Let's get a live call. So give me a call. This is Invest Talk at 888-99-CHART. The 4th of July is almost here, and as we move through summer, you'll want to need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today 
concerns the tax benefits of an HSA, a health savings account. Now what an HSA allows you to do is contribute pre-tax dollars to the account and then you can grow the investment over time tax-free and then spend it on qualified medical expenses tax-free as well. It's a great, great tool. You also get to keep your HSA money until you use it, even if you change employers or, uh, or anything like that. Now, how do you qualify? I said earlier, if your employer uh, allows it, you can actually open one yourself as well. Uh, and there's different providers of HSA accounts. Uh, Lively is one of them. That's one of the better ones. And now you have to, you have to qualify though. And you need to have a high deductible health care plan. Now, deductible is how much you pay before your insurance kicks in. For 2020, the high deductible is at least $1,400 for self-only insurance plans and $2,800 for family plans. Okay. Now, your health insurance plan's out-of-pocket maximum also cannot exceed $6,900 for individuals and $13,800 for families. And you cannot be a dependent on a tax return, enrolled in Medicare, or enrolled in another health insurance plan. So those are the stipulations. Now, in 2020, you can contribute as much as $3,550 for self for single-person-only insurance plans and $7,100 for a family plan. And if you're over the age of 55, you can add $1,000 for both plans. So... Forty-five, fifty for individuals and uh, eighty, one hundred for family. Now, what can you buy? You can pay for dental, vision, and prescription drug costs, and you have to make sure that you don't spend this money on non-qualified medical expenses. If you do, you pay a twenty percent penalty and regular income tax on that money. So, big, big no-no. Now, you can open up your HSA through an employer. Like I said, you can open it through a company called uh, Lively is one of the top ones. Uh, no no uh, promotion here. I'm not getting paid by them. That's just me doing a, a bit of research. Now, you can elect to defer part of your, your salary into your HSA plan. Sometimes employers might contribute money to your HSA plan like they do in their 401k. And if you're... employer doesn't sponsor a, a, a plan, like I said, there are about a dozen large providers of HSA accounts. So just know that. They have various fees, interest rates, investment quality, etc. So make sure you do a, a bit of research. Now, if you're using your HSA to invest, you must determine your risk tolerance, your time horizon, in order to make sure you have the right asset allocation. Now, there's a few other things you can do with an HSA. After the age of 65, you can take out the money Penalty free. Now you still pay taxes on it if you don't use it for non if you use it for non qualified medical expenses, but you don't pay that twenty percent penalty. So after sixty five, it's kind of like an IRA. Whereas you take money out after fifty nine and a half on an IRA, then you take out you, you get you pay tax on that as income, but you don't pay a penalty. Now other thing you can do, you can pay COBRA insurance premiums if you lose your job. It's one thing you can do with it. You can also pay it to cover long-term care expenses as well and long-term care insurance premiums. So I think it's something everyone should look at and consider. 
and I would encourage all of you to reach out to your HR department, talk to your employer and say, hey, if you don't have an HSA plan, can we get one added to our plan? A lot of times they are lumped in with your 401k and it can be a, a great tool. Uh, so I would check that out. Now this is Invest Talk. Our phone lines never close, so people leave their finance and investment questions anytime, 24/7. So let's grab another question from 88899 Chart. Hi, Justin. I was wondering if you could look at CVS and let me know if it's a good long-term play, and if you could give me a good price entry point, that'd be great. Thank you, guys. All right, looking at CVS Health, I believe that's what it was. Yep, there we go. And this is a company that we do own for clients. It's had a bit of a pullback here. So it is into some solid support. So from a purchase perspective, I think this is solid. Now, there is some good support here around $82. And then the next level, the big, big support would be about 77 Those from a technical perspective would be are, are great. Uh, support levels. Now, maybe you add a little bit today, maybe it doesn't get all the way down to 77, but at 77, I would definitely be more aggressive. Our value on CVS is uh, higher than here by about 20%. Now it's at 82, where our, our value is closer to $100 a share. So we like CVS, pays a nice solid uh, dividend of 2.4% certainly has room to increase that dividend as well, considering their payout ratio is only 35%, their cash dividend payout ratio is only 20%. And although they haven't they haven't increased that dividend recently over the last few years, they likely will uh, in the near term as they get more stability with their business and are less acquisitive and they've been paying down debt. So we really like CVS. I think it's a good value here and there's a lot of potential for the business long term. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and our goal of financial freedom or your goal of financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is a vital part of the mix on this show. That's why we love your calls, and we're taking them live at 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. 
I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Let's head over to Canada and talk with Sid looking at SOFI, S O F I. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. Good evening. Yes, I am owning it a small portion, and I see a long-term perspective here. But uh, I also follow a lot of guidelines and principles that you taught us in last two, three years. I'm a long-time listener. 
that I generally don't believe, uh, you know, the new IPO and stuff, but this one is exception. So I have taken a small positions, but I like to hear your viewpoint before I increase my portion in this company. Thank you for your feedback. No problem. Thanks for giving us a call. Now, this is SoFi. It's a recent IPO late last year, Q4 of last year, it did go IPO. And it has about a $14.5 billion market cap. It's not making money currently. Now, they started off as a student loan refinancing company and started to expand their business into personal loans, credit cards, mortgages, investment accounts, banking services, financial planning. So they're aggressive in that way. And there, let's look at their, a lot of the data here, I'm not getting a whole lot of data simply because it's such a, a new company. Um, but this is a, a non-bank is what I would call it. And I like the, the, the growth. Uh, the Morningstar, I'm looking at a Morningstar report because they did come out with one uh, just a, a few weeks ago. They're looking at a projected revenue growth of 43% over a five-year period. To about three and a half billion by 2025. Now, even if you go based on thir- th- three and a half billion, you're talking about five times sales. Yeah, something like that. Four and a half. That's but that's based on expected 2025 revenue. That's expensive to me, even based on that. Remember, the lending industry is fairly low margin, very competitive, and even if you have growth in revenue, there's not a guarantee that's going to turn into profits. And currently, analysts expect it to lose 26 cents this year and 8 cents next year. So you're moving towards that profitability, but that's just what analysts expect with a young company like this, uh, spending aggressively to add accounts. I just don't see a lot of economic advantage here that they've built. Uh, and therefore, I just think the valuation, like a lot of IPOs, is just too rich. And now you've broken below all the ma- major moving averages. There's not many of them. There's only a couple uh, that, that are out there uh, because it's only been trading for about six months. But it, it's poor. Uh, and that's why I would pass on SoFi and I would get out of it. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question from a listener in New York. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Abdullah from New York. I'm calling in to ask your opinions about buying Seagate or Western Digital as a possible cryptocurrency play. In the last two months, there's this coin called Chia, which has exploded, and it's taken the cryptocurrency by storm because it's using a different methodology to mine its coins. It's using hard drives instead of graphics cards or processors like Bitcoin. Hard drives are much greener than Bitcoin mining. So recently, Chia has grown to take up almost like 27 exabytes of hard drive space. In the last two months alone, that's 27 million terabytes. And at the current market price of about $25 per terabyte, that's a lot of hard drive that people have bought in the last two months. This makes me think that buying hardware manufacturer like Western Digital or Seagate would be a great strategy for the short term or maybe even long term. So yeah, I was hoping to hear your opinion about the strategy. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Great question. And I don't know anything about Chia or its viability or sustainability and whether it's greener or not. Uh, I'd have to, to look into that first time I've heard of it. 
Now, the hard drive space in general is a long-term trend anyway, whether Chia works or not. So I I like the secular tailwinds there. But you also, at this point, have come into a, a point where a lot of the earnings for this year have been pulled forward. Uh, or, or sorry, earnings from future periods have been pulled forward with a lot of people working from home, buying new computers, and a lot, just a lot of demand for computers over the last couple of years due to the pandemic. And obviously, you have... Uh, cryptocurrency and a lot of uh, demand for uh, hard drive space there. So, but this is a secular thing. We're producing terabytes and terabytes of data every single day that's being stored and you need hard drives for that. So I like what you're looking at in that space, but I wouldn't use Chia, which once again, I never heard of, and there's no guarantee that's going to actually uh, create any sustainable value and that's really the biggest problem in the crypto space right now is that uh, there, there's little value being created. There's some, there's, but there's still little value being created uh, by the, the systems that are being developed. And so whether this catches on or not, I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't use this as a catalyst because it would be such a small portion of the overall uh, demand for hard drives. So I would be looking more from a secular standpoint and evaluation standpoint, and that's why I would take a pause on Western Digital and Seagate. Both also are looking poor technically, starting to roll over, especially uh, Seagate consolidating here around the 100-day moving average and looks to be reversing. So I'd be patient on both of those. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and let's make it three in a row. This came in on 8 at 99 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Long-time listener, and my question is in regard to the difference, if any, between mutual funds and ETFs. For example, I own currently a Fidelity Materials Mutual Fund, FSDPX, and I also noticed that Fidelity has a material index in uh, ETF, which is FMAT. I'm wondering if there's any benefit of owning one versus the other, and if I should drop my mutual fund for the ETF, or um, just basically any pros and cons or the difference between mutual funds and ETFs, assuming that they're both similar funds. Thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing your answer. All right. Well, there. let's start big picture, the difference between mutual funds and ETFs. Mutual funds, you typically only trade at the end of each day. Sometimes some mutual funds can trade in the morning and if you place an order kind of at the start of the day, there's a close around, uh, maybe it's uh, it's been a while since I traded mutual funds, so uh, noon Eastern, something like that, and you can, you can sell them early in the day, but there's one or two times throughout a day that you can actually trade that mutual fund, whereas an ETF trades all day, just like a normal stock. So that's, that's the, the biggest, uh, uh, difference. And then when it comes down to tax efficiency, typically ETFs are more tax efficient than mutual funds. And you can short an ETF, whereas you can't short a mutual fund. So those are some of the broad differences. Now, when you're looking at the two here, FSDPX, the expense ratio also is different. Typically, mutual funds are higher, and this is the case as well. You have 0.8% is the expense ratio on FSDPX, the Fidelity Select Materials ETF, and on the FMAT, the Fidelity MSCI Materials ETF, 
0.084%. So it looks to me, uh, I'd have to dig into this, that the ETF is following an index and that's not uncommon. It's very common that uh, there'll be a an index that it follows. Whereas Fidelity Select Materials, Select indicates that this is actively managed. So there are managers that make decisions and sometimes they can be better than the index and sometimes they can be worse. Now, if you look at this, for example, and I go into uh, the performance section and uh, I'm just on Morningstar.com, so that makes it easy for the ETF, sorry, the mutual fund year to date, it's up 17.76%. And for the ETF, it's up 16.8. So this is a year where active management actually did a bit better here. In 2020, the ETF was up 19.6% and the mutual fund was up 21.7. Another year where active management did better. In 2019, it was the mutual fund was up 12.4. The ETF was up 23.35, a year where the index did better. Starting to see a theme here where active managers are starting to do better than the index indices. Uh, and so this, this is the main difference here. Do you want to invest in an active manager or do you want to invest in an index? And that's why you're paying more. Remember, the, these are net of fees. So when I'm talking about this performance report, this is net of fees, taking out the fees. So even though the mutual fund had higher fees over the past year and a half, it's outperformed the lower fee alternative. And that oftentimes can happen. So hopefully that unpacked the major differences and gave you a sense of what you should do. You really have to decide, do you want to pay the higher fees? And is that worth it for that active management? Now, if 2021 feels like it's moving fast, well, it is. Summer is here. Fourth of July weekend really starts tomorrow. I guess tomorrow's Friday. Now, in the market, we are seeing uh, start of a bit of volatility over the past few weeks, and I think that will educate you towards what to expect for the back half of the year. Now, is your portfolio ready for that? And if you are unsure of whether it is or not, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our Irvine-based California office of KPP Financial. We remind you that here on Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate with the same philosophy, independent thinking, and shared success. We want to bring you along with our listeners, uh, sorry, with our success, and we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air and provide parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to set up a free portfolio review assessment, you can do that via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We can send you a link to our calendar. You pick a time and date that works best for you. We jump on a phone call or video chat, whatever works, and just take a few minutes. See how we can help, no obligation. We want to help you in any way we can. Now, the InvestTalk Voice Bank is always open and waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Next up, a question about investing in CDs. I'll play that caller question in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while. I've got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime, typically each day and night. 
The Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, this is Duncan from New York. I actually have a quick question on CDs, savings account. I asked you guys a couple of months ago before, I uh, thought I could get a little bit more insight. Basically, in a nutshell, I have about $35,000 set aside to invest in real estate. As we all know, real estate has gone way up, and I'm sure that the money that I have is not going to be able to conquer any offers that's going way above asking price. So with that being said, I don't want to put my money into the stock market because we know how volatile that is. What do you think about putting it into a three-month CD? I know that inflation plays a huge role into maximizing my dollar, but tell me what you think of a CDs and or money markets. I'm not too fond of them, but I just want to figure out what else I can do besides put it in the savings account. Thank you very much. Bye. Well, the first thing would be to look at your options for a high-yield FDIC-insured money market account or high-yield savings account. Right now, I'm seeing you get about half a percent, which isn't fantastic. Now, the CDs you could potentially get would need to be higher than that, 0.5%, because uh, if you have to give up something, you have to get something for giving up some, some liquidity there. And you have to look at the the surrender charges for uh, taking that money out before the three-month uh, maturity, okay? So that's the first thing you have to figure out is can you get a yield above that 0.5% and are you willing to give up some of that liquidity in order to lock up your money for uh, a length of time? Three months isn't a long time, so uh, you're probably not going to get that much, but maybe you can get a little bit more. Uh, and frankly, that's just the best you're going to do. Unfortunately, in this environment with Fed keeping rates at zero, anything half a percent or more is, uh, is is pretty decent in this environment. So I know it's tough. Uh, it's pushing people. With the, this is what the Fed wants to do. They want to push people in out into the risk spectrum uh, and create those animal spirits like they said before. Uh, but if you're using the money in the near term, you have to make sure that it is safe, it is insured, that it is not going to go down in value. Like you said, if I'm put in the market, there's certain, uh, certainly a risk of potential downside. All right, Rick from Whittier, hang on. You'll be next here on Invest Talk. For everyone else, the phone lines are open at 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 
Go talk with Rick in Whittier. He's looking at Google. Yeah. Uh, hi, Justin. Uh, I'm interested in getting in Google, and, um, you know, I just wanted to get your take. What's a good uh, entry point? And um, uh, that's about it. Okay. Well, we Google's a solid company, and it's been growing dramatically. You know, it's one of the FANG names. Earnings went from 40, almost $49 a share in 2019, pre-pandemic. Expect to go to $95 next year. So solid, consistent growth. Uh, my worry here is that a lot of the tailwinds from the pandemic are going to reverse into headwinds as uh, the market reopens, but it's part of a secular trend of more and more people uh, dominating uh, or, or driving their online activity, uh, and Google benefits from all of that. More data that uh, Google can get from uh, Gmail and Google, and Google Search, etc. Uh, they can sell ads, and they do a great job at that. They have YouTube. Uh, my biggest worry here, though, is from a regulatory standpoint. There's a new head, uh, I think her name is Lena Khan, the new head of the uh, FTC, and she is a hawk when it comes to the big tech firms and potentially breaking them up. And I certainly see that as a strong possibility over the next five, ten years. Uh, it's a bipartisan thing to really hate on the tech companies because they rule our world, they dominate, and they have so much information about us, and uh, we rely on them so greatly. It reminds me a lot of the phone companies when they broke up, broke up uh, uh, PacBell um, or the, the Bell companies, and I think that's going to happen again. So that's my biggest worry is, is what happens with their businesses, and uh, will they be nearly as competitive? When if you separate out YouTube and search and Google or sorry, Gmail uh, and all their other businesses as well, because they uh, have their hand in a lot of different areas, cloud services, Chromebooks, uh, smartphones, you have Nest Homes, etc. Uh, Google Fiber, uh, they have self-driving car company with Waymo, and a lot of them are very good. Uh, but is there uh, a risk of monopoly being broken up? And I really think there is, and that's why I would not be owning it. But if you were to pick it up, if you do think that the regulatory risks are, are overblown, then you want to be looking for a potential retrace. And to me, this would be around 1600 right? It's not, right now it's at 2500 That would be a great buying opportunity for me to pick up Google, does it get there? I don't know, but that would, be, that would be my target zone. Now, lastly, let's touch on, let's look back uh, on the first half of the year. And we had a strong double-digit return for the major indexes. S&P up 14% for the year, the Dow up 13%. And consumer spending and small business confidence have bounced back. Many of uh, are above pandemic levels. We've had massive stimulus, uh, but after 12 months of stocks basically going up relentlessly, what is the outlook for the second half of the year? And uh, there's no real consensus on what a post-pandemic world is going to look like from an investment perspective. You have higher inflation, uh, but higher economic growth. Earnings are very good. Unemployment's coming down, uh, but will the long-term growth prospects be more muted 
as we come out and there's less stimulus or less excuse for stimulus from government. And there's a growing anxiety the future will be harder. And I think that's true. Now, in June alone, stocks lagged both their, logged both their worst week since October and their best week since February. So a lot of volatility, volatility picking up in the month of June. Now, going back to World War II, it has been typical that the second year of recovery, and that's what we're in, the second year of the recovery is choppier and gains more muted. And that's what I expect. Now, correlation between growth and value stocks have broken down, trading at the lowest level since 1995, which is is interesting. Uh, And so, basically, expect the back half of the year to be a lot choppier. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another InvestTalk program. I'll return next week. And please remember, the market is closed on Monday for a holiday, but we do have a special all-new compilation Best of Caller Question show ready for you. Remember, please, you can download at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as InvestTalk.com. Be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.